0: And we are in Mark chapter thirteen. This will be our last night in Mark thirteen, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's uh, been uh, in response to Jesus being asked a couple questions by the disciples in Mark thirteen. Uh, he'd already had. It's the last week of Jesus' ministry. He's had some conflicts with the religious leaders, especially on the Temple Mount. And as he's leaving the Temple, chapter thirteen, verse one, one of his disciples said to him, "Look, teacher." What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. In other words, it would be a great place to start the kingdom. It's all ready to go. And Jesus says, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So there is, the topic there is, is the almost I would assume, the kingdom is the issue. One of the disciples is, is you know, not talking about, we've well, got a lot of work to do, we've got a lot of changes to make. It's like, this is a great temple. Look how massive these stones are. Uh, this looks like it's been built for eternity. I'm paraphrasing here. It seems like he's pretty impressed with the Temple Mount, and this would be a great place for the kingdom. She's correct and says, uh, not there, uh, it'll be destroyed. It'll, it'll, the whole thing will be destroyed." This is not the kingdom, because again, the, the guys, the disciples, coming into Jerusalem, they're they're arguing on for a place on the on in the in the kingdom. They're thinking the kingdom's is going to come. Jesus had the triumphal entry on the on that S- a Saturday, S- Sunday before the, of this week, uh, and so it looks like things are really going somewhere. Jesus, no, this is all coming down. This ends soon. And again, uh, that's the question. Chapter thirteen. After saying, "Not one stone will be left here," verse three, as Jesus was sitting on the Temple Mount, or excuse me, sitting on the Mount of Olives. I'm thinking here of this picture right here. There's the Temple Mount; it was filled with the beautiful temple buildings. He's now sitting on the Temple or on the Mount of Olives, looking over this. Uh, they came up. It says, "Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately." Uh, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign they are about to be fulfilled? And so, they say again this phrase, these things, and this is kind of uh, kind of important as we wrap this up tonight. These things, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they'll all be fulfilled? Uh, and this is going to split, it appears, into two levels of an, uh, a question. These things are going to refer to uh, 70 AD, uh, or the destruction that led to the falling of the Temple Mount. In other words, when will these things be destroyed? The answer is going to be uh, 70 AD. That's when these things are going to happen. And then the fulfilled part, it seems to now project out to what we'll just say the end. Uh, Better would probably be the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ or the actual setting up of the kingdom. When will the fulfillment of when all of these things are taking place? What will be the fulfillment when the kingdom comes? And real quickly, way this chapter ends. This is going to be the punchline. Is seventy A.D. is the answer to when will these things happen, and when will this happen? When will the kingdom come? That is an unknown. It's not Jesus saying. I'm not really. I mean, it's it's kind of shocking when you when you, if you read it just the way it says it. Jesus isn't saying. I'm not going to tell you. Just I. That's I don't want you to know. It's a secret. He says no one knows. The angels in heaven don't know. The Son of Man does not know. Only the Father. And throughout this whole chapter, and throughout the whole book, the Son of Man is Jesus. So Jesus says, I can answer this, and He'll answer it here tonight. As we get through it, uh, this generation will not pass away. Uh, this is this is going to happen. Basically, if a generation is 40 years, it's 30 A.D., it's going to happen before 70 A.D. I mean, he says it's not going to be before this generation pass away. Uh, these things will happen, which is the destruction of the temple. But then we talk about that day or th- these things. The phrase that we're going to use here is going to be all these things. And that if you look on the very last page, I just turn the notes over this is from last time, um, from chapter 13, verse 19. There is a distinction between the events of history, early church, general time, sixty six to 70 AD, and events of eschatology. There, there's, there's two things. There's history that's cycling through, and then there's the end, the appearing of the Son of Man. The difference becomes noticeable in these verses when we realize these things, the phrase, these things refers to the fall of Jerusalem. When will these things happen? The temple's going to be destroyed, not one stone's left upon another. When will these things happen? This destruction of the temple. Uh, but yet this filters over into end times, and that's uh, those days, in chapter 13, verse 17, 19, 20, and 24, uh, th- these things talk about 70 A.D., but those Things, or those days start speaking of something that we do not know when it 's going to happen it 's not the same event it 's an eschatological event so those those days and we, this comes out of daniel twelve one joel two twenty nine when he starts talking about uh, uh, the end times uh, and then in this chat these verses here tonight uh, those days like I said becomes all these things he's going to answer this question all these things but then to refer to those days the eschatological times he's going to say all these things and so that's kind of where this is heading the answer is going to be 70 a.d and when will it all when it will all be over we can't answer that question but the point is there is a a moral to this chapter and again i'm we'll get into it but what do they need to learn what do they need to know uh, you need to be watching. You need—we can say uh, uh, alert. These are two good terms. But basically, it means working. You're going to need to be faithful. Uh, you can't be uh, no sleep. Uh, be on your guard. This is this is what you're going to. There's a, something for you to be doing. Now, so you're the the, the temple's going to be destroyed in this generation. Your job throughout the 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 history of the coming up to the temple being destroyed, and until the end, is this is what you're going to need to be working on. He can't tell them a date. And again, what good would a date do? I mean, obviously, I want to know the date. I've tried to figure it out. We put things together. I want to know that everything's we're living in the end times. But again, that's normal. And I got a couple verses here written down. The apostles, with this answer, you understand, this is why with this answer, no one knows, the disciples were writing as if it was right around the corner because they had no idea. It was a mystery. It wasn't revealed. It wasn't like God's holding it back from them understanding it. I don't think we've got the uh, capacity to unravel the mystery. It's not like, well, if, if it's a certain date, if we knew a certain date, Imagine how confusing the, the whole thing would be. You'd try to time it and work it out. God has got all these things under control. Our job is to be doing these things, and when the end happens, it's going to happen. Now, that still leads to the question, uh, there are certain things that we could identify when we start talking about eschatology that would certainly mark uh, that we've entered into the last seven years I mean, it's pretty clear it's seven years, half of it is 42 months, or 1,260 days, I and mean, we're counting days now. So it, it seems like you should be able to put a chart on it, but about this, even the time you're putting a chart on it, it's like, but it's a mystery, You, you it will surprise you. you. You do not fully understand. Now, I, I don't think that means there's not going to be a second coming. I don't think that means there's not going to be a, a kingdom of God on earth. I think it means this This is, uh, it's not established yet. It's it's not on, in God, the Father's mind. And then you've got to ask the question, the Son on earth, the Son of Man doesn't know, but surely when he's a, a resurrected and seated at the right hand of God the Father, that he's looking at God going, and God the Father says, well, like, oh, no one knows but me. It, it's kind of hard for him to be part of the, the trinity again now we're into theology that that jesus well yeah i know everything i created the whole world but i don't know that um i don't know that that's another discussion and i i, I don't want to get into it but one answer would be you know as a son as a son of man is as a human when when he was emmanuel walking with us as a man there's certain things he he didn't know uh but clearly on the deity side it's hard to say that the Son of God doesn't know. So, with that being said, that's kind of where we're heading into these verses right here. So, here we go. Let me start in uh, uh, Mark 13. And throughout this chapter, uh, real quickly in summary, chapter 13, verse 5, Jesus said to them right away, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name. And he begins to describe events. Uh, And then uh, nation rising against nation, famines, earthquakes. These are the beginning of birth pains. Uh, You must be on your guard. Verse 9, he says it again. You will be handed over to the local consuls, flogged in the synagogues. This is talking about early church persecution, even the Jews being handed over to the Sanhedrin. And the gospel must be pre- pre- first preached to all the nations. When you're arrested, don't worry about what you're going to say. Uh, just say whatever is given to you. The Holy Spirit will be working through you. Brother will betray brother. Children rebel against their parents. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14. Now it begins when you see the abomination that causes desolation. But before we get to that verse 14, which was a pivot, kind of a hinge verse, um. Uh. Um, uh, look in verse, verse 7. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Which is kind of a key verse. He gives you all these signs, but they are not, they're like non signs. History is going to happen, but just because history is cycling through repeatedly doesn't mean it's the end. Otherwise, the end is constantly staring you in the face. And so he's talking about history. But then in verse 14, when you see the abomination, it causes desolation, standing where it does not belong. Now, again, with that reference, we knew that was fulfilled, spoken by Daniel, but it was fulfilled by the the, uh, the, the solutions with Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, it apparently was fulfilled again by the Romans or the zealots, the Jews, desecrating the Temple Mount in 68, 69 AD, and the church fled. But it's clear that it's going to happen again because the New Testament picks it up. It's going to happen again uh, in some future event at the end times where the the temple is going to be rebuilt. uh, The sacrifices are going to be, you know, desecrated again. Uh, When that happens, if it's 70 AD, again, these verses, verse 14, uh, they, they apply to the Roman wars. But they also seem to project to the future. And again, that you've got to be honest with that. Some people just want to rush into the end times. That's true. But a lot of these things, they, they cycled through with their Jewish wars. Uh, there's a fleeing. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And the church did. They followed the advice. The same thing will be true... In the tribulation, or in the seventy uh, the seventieth week, you know, after the first forty-two months, first three and a half years, something like this will happen, and the Jews will have to flee. It even tells them where to flee. Daniel says he flee to the mountains, Ammon, Moab, Edom, which would today would be Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, they're, they're told to flee, so that would be an eschatological fulfillment. It tells them how quickly to flee. It tells them when to pray. That doesn't happen in the winter. Uh, it says those days will be cut short um and that could we, we talked about last week or yeah last week uh with the death of nero titus held back his attack on jerusalem and went to rome to become the emperor and then excuse me vespasian held back and went to rome to become the emperor and so the 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 days were cut short so that the people could flee in, in 68, 69 A.D. and then Titus resumed the war to finish off Jerusalem. Well, something like that will take place apparently in the future also where the days are going to be cut short. Otherwise, it says no flesh, the text says no flesh would survive. And the last time we looked at, when we go through the the seals, the 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 trumpets, the bowls, I mean, the Earth there's no fresh water it's, it's overheating, not, not because of global warming. Uh, that's another whole concept, uh, but there will be a, a catastrophic events taking place, hailstones, uh, people are being destroyed. and it, if it hadn't been cut short, no one would be alive when Jesus does come back. Revelation makes that pretty clear. Um, and that's verse 20. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would have survived. And then beginning in verse uh, 21, At that time, if anyone says to you, uh, Look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. So be on your guard, I have told you everything ahead of time. In other words, he's telling you what it's going to be so you you can see this disaster coming or this confusing event happening. He says, don't be alarmed. I've told you it's going to happen ahead of time. And almost when you see this confusing event, it almost could become a sign of confidence because Jesus told me it was going to be confusing. It's very confusing. Oh, I find confidence in the confusion because he says, I've told you this ahead of time. Uh, But in those days, following that distress... And now right here, we're going to pick this up, the the verse before and and this in just a moment. Uh, But in those days, following that distress, understand what Jesus is going to do right here. He takes Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Old Testament verses, and just captures the essence of what was being said when they talked about the end times. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Key phrase, shaken. At that time... When you men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, so when these this events begin to take place, it's summed up in one simple verse in verse or you know two verses, twenty four and twenty five, but that captures. I'm going to try to go through the old some of those Old Testament references that captures an entire concept of the sun being dark and the moon not shining, the stars falling, and heavenly bodies being shaken. Uh, the earth will be shaken at that time. And it, it's, it's the 70th week type events. It's, it's the end of time. And that's what Jesus refers to. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This is the Son of Man who went to his death on the cross. Now he's going to come back with great glory. He first came as the servant. He's now coming as the king. He first came as the sacrifice. He's going to return as the lion. It's often said, and he will send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven, which was an intentional in he's combining two different sets of verses that are saying the same thing from one end of the heavens to the other, but he does, or one end of the earth to the other. He says from one end of the heavens to the ends of the earth. It, he, he's combining verses there that's capturing this idea of the eschatological events. Now, verse 28. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Now, we're going to talk about that because the go-to reference on this is when you say fig tree especially in chapter 13 because in chapter 11 jesus cursed the fig tree which represented israel apparently because he goes in and rejects the temple turns over the tables and the fig tree represents israel the fig tree or the vine throughout the old testament so the go-to here and I, i'm going to warn you the go-to here is to say now learn a, this lesson from the fig tree As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. In other words, learn this from the fig tree, which we mean Israel. When you see the twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you start seeing it blossom, then you know the end is near. It's like, now be careful before you write that down. Everybody says that, and that may be true. But is he talking about metaphorically about israel being the fig tree or is he now just telling you common sense you know summer is near when you see the trees begin to it's going to be this simple when you see the son of man coming in power and glory you know it's like well when you look out and you start seeing buds on trees you know it's summer so you mean when israel becomes a nation Again, it's we're near the end. I see in 1948, Israel became a nation. And I've heard many, many sermons. Many, I mean, you know, it, it's, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying, be careful because is that what this means? When you see the fig tree slash Israel become a nation and start budding, you know, the end time is near. Well, it could be. I mean, Israel's going to have to be a nation to have the temple restored. It could be that. But it's, that was 1948. I mean, you understand, there was 30 AD, by 70 AD, 40 years later, Jerusalem's gone, or it's destroyed. And 1948, add 40 years to it, 1988, thus we've talked about that before, the book 88 Reasons Why Jesus Coming Back in 1988 didn't work out, so he wrote another bestseller, or tried to, 89 Reasons Why He's Coming Back in 89, second (laughs) one didn't go as well. But I mean, you can see that, but you see, we're now 2023, and, and it's like, now you're adding 70 years to 1948. Now you're adding 100 years to 90 years. It's like, that that may not even have been what it meant. If it, So I'm going to say, I mean, put that on the shelf. Don't disagree with it. But also consider, does this make more sense that Jesus say now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When you see the trees budding, you know it's summer. When you start seeing these things start to take place, you know the season's here. Now when it is... I'm not going to be able to tell you, he says. Okay, so there we'll talk about that. Even so, when you see these things... Now, now watch this. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because uh, this phrase right there, I already mentioned it here. When you see these things happening, you should know that it is near right at the door. Now, I've got this in the notes, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of sync here. But since it's, I'm doing it already, we, we I entered, we reminded you what we talked about last time. These things... When will these things happen was the question. Jesus then goes through and talks about some events that are going to be taking place. And then he says, when you see the fig tree blossom, or you know, you know summer's near, the same thing. When you see these things happen, know that it is near, as near as summer is to when the trees are budding. What things? These things were a question asked by the disciples concerning the temple being destroyed. And when you see these things, the temple destruction is near. In other words, this whole, this whole section about the fig tree is about Jerusalem and 70 A.D. When you see these things happen, and remember when it talks about those days or those things. So it is possible... You, you, can, you can try to put that on the shelf. This refers to Israel becoming a nation in 1948, and we're very close to the end times. Okay, put that on the shelf. I, I tend to disagree with that. Look for something else. Now he's just giving you a general parable about when you see these things, but what things? Well, the things he's described, and these things was what the disciples asked about. These things, so when they say, what are these things? Jesus gives them these things, and then he says, when you see that, it is near. Now, the next verse, kind of, I'm way ahead of myself. I want to do this with notes instead of just sh- shooting it at you. It says, uh, uh, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Now, watch this. I tell you the truth. You see what I'm saying right here? They ask, Jesus says, there's not be one stone left upon another. They say, when will these things happen? Jesus gives them a list, and he says, when you see these things, know it's near. And then how near? Well, uh, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Verse 30, I tell you the truth. You know, that's a statement of fact. That means, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you. That means, write this down. This is a point of doctrine. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. In other words, these things are a sign of the destruction of the temple. Well, the destruction of the temple is going to happen before this generation passes away. So if it's going to happen, if it's 30 AD plus 40 years, it's 70 AD, and it's rough numbers, but again, we're talking about actual dates here then these things are going to happen between now, 30 A.D., you're going to see these things happen in the destruction of the temple. I think that's what it's talking about. Now, you can say 1948, that generation, add for 70 years to it, okay, help me out here, that's 11, that's 2018, that's a 70-year generation, that generation will not pass away until you see these things happen. Well, 1988 didn't work. Uh, 2018 has come and gone. We had COVID happening. I mean, it's, it's, COVID was he- heading that way. Uh, are, are, we, are we just are we going to make the generation 80 years and now you've got 20? I mean, I, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that may be what you want to do, but that may be not even what it's talking about when he's talking about these things. When will the temple be destroyed? When will these things happen? These things will happen before this generation pass away, 70 A.D., it is complete. So I'm going to say right there that he was talking, and you know, you know this chapter is about the destruction of the temple. I mean, a lot of it with an overtone towards the future. Okay. All these things have happened. Now, I've got to come back to this and do a cleaner job of this. But he just talked about uh, this generation will certainly not pass away. Then look in verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. I'm going to come back to that. You've got three passing aways. This generation will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass. Oh, uh, this generation will not pass away until, in a sense, the temple passes away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. There's three passes away there, and then we'll put that together in a moment. Then the last part of this chapter, this now having ended talking about 70 A.D., now we move into what it is, is like a, a shadow of, is the end times. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the Father. Be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. This is the assignment for the disciples, right? This is what it's like for you. You're going to see this this temple destroyed. This generation will see it. But this is what you're concerned about. You're like being put in charge of something and someone's going to go away and they're going to return, but you don't know when. You just keep doing what you were assigned to do. Don't get distracted by these other things, including end times. Therefore, verse 35, therefore keep watch... Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not, fi- do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Um, so with that being said, that's the text of the verses we're looking at here. Let's see if we can go through the notes here. Um, On page, this is again the English Standard Version on the notes. We go back to chapter 13, verse 23. This is part of last week's uh, look. Um, Be on your guard. I have told you these things beforehand. Remember we mentioned that. It's going to get confusing, but your confidence is I've told you the things that were going to happen. Not necessarily pleasant things. Uh, this was used by Jesus in John thirteen 19. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. If you go back to John 13, he's talking about some events that are about to take place, and he says, I'm telling you these things, so when these disasters, these, these questionable things, what is happening, you know I told you ahead of time, and by knowing that I told you this, you can believe that I'm in charge of all of these events that are transpiring. If you understand what I'm saying, it's going to get bad, but I'm not in a panic because I'm telling you this is going to happen ahead of time. And when it does, you can join me in the peace knowing I've told you this ahead of time. Same thing here. These things are going to get confusing, but I'm telling you ahead of time. And he'd assume the same thing. Now that you know, I've told you ahead of time, when you get to that confusing point, you can actually have peace in the confusion because I told you this is where we've got to go through this, this disaster to get to where we want to go. I'll stay on your guard is a translation of the Greek. We'll see it again here in, in a few verses. Blepete, which means look or look at or pay attention. Blepo simply by itself. is used to say, I look, I see, I perceive, I discern. So you be looking. Always be looking. And that's where he gives you some things to look for. I can't tell you the date. But I can tell you what to look for. I can tell you it's going to get confusing. But when it does, be on your guard. Keep looking at it because it's all Don't go to sleep. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Uh, point three again: the sign of the faithful servant is not foretelling. This is important. Is the sign of the faithful servant is not foretelling and trying to guess the future or predict the future, but alertness, paying attention, and obedience to Christ in the present. That that's huge in an eschatological chapter. And I I, I say that to myself because I've got charts. I you know because as soon as you start talking about you know, these things, like Paul talks about it. We've got a whole book of Revelation. Daniel's got prophecy. A good scholar, a good Christian, someone who's a student of the Word, is going to try to put those things together and create a sequence of events because that's how you teach it. Once you've got a sequence of events and it's going to happen in real time, you start looking for them. I mean, that's normal. But that's not the goal. It's like you don't get, you know, like bonus points because you, you figured it out. I, I've, I've often hope that we'd be able to compare our charts in the future and then you guys all sit around and say that I was right and that if you disagree with me, I was wrong. But that's, that's a very, I think, low-level, carnal Christian that I'm definitely part of and that, that guess the date game. But Jesus' point here is to be alert, pay attention, be obedient. Don't let these things be a distraction. Uh, and here, point A, do not lose sight of the mission as the days approach. I mean, if you knew Jesus was coming back, you know, at a certain date, like in two weeks, two years, uh, then I'd really get busy and serve the Lord. Okay, why don't you get busy and serve the Lord now? Or if I knew it was coming, I'd be like, well, there's no sense trying now. It's like, well, that's exactly the wrong response. I mean, we're, we live our lives. How do I, and I've said it before, but it, 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 Jesus, and this is not a, a true... Uh, this is not true doctrine, but I was in a church one time and they taught, this is when I was a younger kid in a denominational church, and they said, well, the second coming is, is happens for everybody individually. At, at the point of your death, that was the second coming. It's kind of like, well, okay, uh, well, that's not what the Bible says because it sounds like we got, you know, the sky splitting, the earth is shaking, it's a historical moment. Uh, but nonetheless, the point is true. For 2,000 years, Christians have lived, served, and died and never saw the second coming. So if you know the date, say it's going to be in 200 years. Okay, is, the, the second coming is not going to happen until uh, in, for another 200 years. How does that affect your life? Well, I guess we're not really in the end times. Well, like, you're going to like put your game face on in the end times? I mean, because your end times, I'm 63. My end times is in the next, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years. If Jesus comes back or not, my, I have a personal end time coming. So when am I going to get serious? So uh, with that idea, everyone, you can't, you can't base your Christianity or your service on a date in the future because you're living here in this moment now and you don't know. And Again, so that's kind of one of the points Jesus is making to these people. Uh, no one will be able to predict the end even as these things happen, which is also interesting. Also, no one will be able to miss the end, no matter how they have rebelled. So, Jesus made it clear. was going to make it clear. The Son of Man will appear, and no one will miss it. So, if you, if you have the wrong date, you're going to see it. If you rebelled against God, say there is no second coming, you're going to see it. It's going to happen. Uh, the hope of eschatology is not when it happens, but that it will happen. And so we're serving today knowing that there is a kingdom coming, there is judgment, and there is a kingdom to be entered into. So we serve today not knowing when it is, but knowing that it is going to be. Okay, chapter 13, verse 24. But in those days... Again, that's that's different than these things, but in those days... You see the word switch there. These things, 70 AD, but in those days after that tribulation and that's interesting because there's going to be tribulation throughout history but during that great tribulation now we begin some very serious references this is jesus doing nothing but quoting or summing up old testament verses the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light uh verse 30 and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now, what I've done here on these notes, that is Jesus just shooting out some catchphrases in a, in a very scholarly manner. It's not, I'm not making fun of it. Uh, but he's he's capturing verses from Isaiah 13, 10, 13, 9-13, Isaiah 24, 23, Isaiah 24, 19-23, Daniel 7, 13 uh also it's another i think it's i got another place written down somewhere it's it's uh isaiah 34 i think somewhere but these are all references to an event in the future this is not a reference to the solutions during the maccabean revolt it's not a reference to the roman destruction of jerusalem this is a reference from the prophets isaiah jeremiah daniel we could go through all of them uh of of this great day of the Lord that's coming. I'm going to read bottom of page 1, Isaiah 13, 10, and Isaiah 13, 9 through 13. And I've got underlined the, the phrase that Jesus takes and puts in his quote. Again, Jesus taking a whole concept of Old Testament verses and pulling concepts out of them and putting them into this one little new verse. But all he's doing is referencing Old Testament verses, and this is not like new revelation, like, oh, the Son of Man had to come tell us this. Now, he's just reading you your Old Testament and and condensing it into some catchphrases. But what's interesting is to see, I think at least to look at as we go by this, is what is around those verses. Where did they come from? In other words, what's the context of the verses, the parts of the verses that Jesus pulled out? Here's Isaiah 13, 10 and 9 through 13. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. This is the English Standard Version of the Masoretic Text of the Hebrew Scriptures. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble. That's where you get in Hebrews and other places, the heavens shaking. Therefore, I'll make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place. What does that mean? The earth will be... Remember, in in Revelation, weird things are happening and the earth is going to be shaken out of its place. And you understand from a little bit of science that we can throw out just real quickly, the the placement of the earth in the universe is exact. A little bit closer, different angle. I mean, we we freeze out, we burn up. I mean, it's got to be the the right amount of oxygen, the right amount of... All these things has to be balanced. And if he, he shakes it out of its place... What's going to happen? Well, the end times. Uh, the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. So Jesus is clearly, he's saying, as we just read, uh, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He's getting that information from that, that kind of a context. Isaiah 24, verse 23, 19 through 23. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut, meaning talk about a hut in the wind that's blowing. Its transgression lies heavy upon it and it falls and will not rise again. On that day, there's an eschatological phrase, on that day the Lord will punish the hosts of heaven in heaven. Now stop and just ponder that. He'll punish the hosts of heaven in heaven. Now you can be talking about the stars, but when he talks about the hosts of heaven, and we're going to come up with several other times, the, the powers of the heavens are referred to in the New Testament. I've got the verses written down here Well, right at the bottom of page two. Just two quick examples. The rulers and authorities in heavenly places, in Ephesians 3.10, in Ephesians 3.10, the church is demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God before the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And the rulers and authorities in heavenly places are the spiritual powers that are not human, that God is demonstrating His grace and His ability to transform a fallen person made out of dirt into the very image of jesus christ through his manifold wisdom and we are demonstrating that in our lives today we're fallen creatures in a race that is in rebellion towards god consumed with the sin nature but because of jesus christ has redeemed us we're now in this condition not just delivered from it we're left here on the dirt planet in a dirt body with a sin nature but with new life with the spirit of god with the word of god and we're being transformed into the image of the Son of God, like, like not in a, a perfect like, garden, what do you call a greenhouse, a, a, a terrarium, like a, the botany center. Is that the botany center? Botanical center. You know, you've got all this perfect watering and the lighting and the temperature. Ah, perfect little crop. No, let's put that in a, a dump. Let's put it in a desert. Let's put it in the worst place possible and then grow a perfect crop. And that's, we're in the dumpyard of the universe. We talk about sin nature and rebellion towards God. We'll read about what God's going to do to the planet. And that's where he, he leaves us here and says, ah, perfect. What are you going to leave us here? Because it's a good area to grow in? Possibly but he's going to demonstrate his manifold wisdom before the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So watch, look what I can do. Right out of this desert, right out of this junkard, this, this sinful culture, I'm going to raise up sons of God who are going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and inherit the kingdom. Now, that's one reference. Okay, that's, that's just a reference in Ephesians 3. The manifold wisdom of God is being demonstrated to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places through the church today. And then Ephesians six twelve it says our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So when you look around the the whole concept of human history, your culture, your your academics, your politics, your nations, it's like and we're fighting each other. We're fighting you know the battles between what's going on. uh, it's like wait your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is against the rulers and authorities that are using the fallen creatures to win their battle against God. So that's another reference, Ephesians 6, 12. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities where? In the heavenly realms. And then finally, in, in chapter 7 of Revelation, I, we could read it, but of course we've got to finish this. Satan was thrown down to the earth from heaven. Now you can talk about that being a, an event that happened in the past, and that would be true. Some people want to say it takes place in Luke when Jesus sends out his disciples and they cast out demons and Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven like it happened in, you know, 28 AD. But it apparently clearly happens in Revelation. Now, I think Satan has fallen. I think Jesus destroyed uh, a good control of Satan had on the earth with his ministry. But it's going to happen in the future because he be thrown down and when he gets here he realizes his time is short. So Satan in the end times, when the earth is being shaken, there's also going to be a battle in heaven that casts these powers down to the earth, which unleashes a lot of the demonic activity and what we see, the signs and wonders, because everything in the heavenly realms is being put down here on the earth, and we can build a case. But especially when you see that verse right there, um, Isaiah 24, The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The heaven is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunk man. I'm on the top of page two. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it. And it falls and will not rise again. On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven. And that would be potentially the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, including Satan, who's going to lose his place and be cast to the earth. Revelation 7. And the kings of the earth... On the earth, so the rulers in the heavens and the rulers on the earth are going to be punished. They'll be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They'll be shut up in a prison, and after many days, they will be punished. We could talk about that. Then, the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and His glory will be before His elders. And then, Daniel chapter seven. Oh, I want to go back and read Daniel 7 to get to the context. I, 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 don't have time. I, I wanted to do that. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. Here's 13 and 14 and 25 through 27. I saw the, saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and he was presented, be, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus picks up that name whenever he refers to himself. He doesn't call himself the Christ, the Messiah. He calls himself the Son of Man. Because that plays right into this right here. The Son of Man, I am here to receive my kingdom, which he's going to be rejected and not it at that time, but the day is going to come back around where he will be ushered in and be given the kingdom. He shall speak words against the Most High. This is the Antichrist now. I've skipped several verses in, 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 in uh, going to verse 25 of chapter 7. He, the Antichrist, again, I don't have context for that. I'm just saying that. shall speak words against the Most High, God the Father. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. That means persecute them and wear them out through op- 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 opposition, oppression. And shall think to change the times and the law. Meaning he's going to change reality. Uh, we could call this right here, that is uh, woke is trying to do that right now. They're, they're trying to change reality. It's postmodernism, if that's what it is historically. But it's going to be a type of changing uh, the times and the law. I'm going to alter reality, not just two genders. We're going to have multiple genders, not just uh, nations. We're going to get rid of all nations and have one nation. We're, uh, they're going to start changing things. And of course, that's going to cause more chaos. Uh, and that's been the goal of man, especially Tower of Babel. We can see it throughout history. Change times and law, and they shall they shall be given into his hand for, here it is, he will be able to do this for a time times and half a time and every commentator if it be jewish or gentile i mean that's serious i mean you can have thousands of idiots but time means one year times means two years and half a time means half a year put them together you've got one plus two is three plus half three and a half that's half of the 70th week that's half of seven so that's that's 1260 days that's 42 months that's three and a half years or it's time times and half a times and he'll be successful with his postmodern woke culture for a time times and half a time it will be given to him Uh, But the court shall sit in judgment. This is the heavenly court. And his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Now that's a crazy verse right there. It says the ancient days uh, uh, ushers in the Son of Man and gives him the kingdom. And then by the time you get to the end of the chapter, that kingdom is, is given to who? The saints. The, the ones that are conformed into the image of the Son of God. The Son of God does the work, receives the kingdom, and then basically steps out of the way and ushers them in and gives them the kingdom. And they've been, the reason why, it's like they've been prepared for this kingdom through time. Anyway, we're getting way off subject there. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Uh, and and this right here is talking about when jesus says this right here uh but in those days he he captures all those verses after this tribulation the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken those powers in the heavens could be the rulers and authorities in heavenly places um okay turn the page chapter 13 when you see that when that takes place when those powers are shaken the sun won't shine the moon's been the earth is being shaken well the son of man's about ready to get his kingdom and that's why you see in verse three the very next thing jesus says and then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory now we've all in a sense been waiting for it anticipating it living like it's happening or is real but those that have been in rebellion, been trying to change all these things, they will see because he's going to now come back into history. He's re-entering the universe, coming back to the earth, and they will see it and, and with clouds of po- power and great glory. And that is a direct reference from Daniel chapter 7. And that is what got Jesus slapped at one of his trials in front of the high priest. They, he says, uh, they says are, you, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And he, he says to them, he says, "You'll see the Son of Man coming in cl- uh, clouds in great power and glory." And they and they slapped him, and and Jesus questioned him on, you know, why, why do we why did you slap me? What, what was your what was your reason? Because they they're now now they're going outside of the law, they're now just using the court setting to punish him. Real quickly, these points, verse point one, Jesus often referred himself as son of man this the disciples knew this so it would be impossible for them to misunderstand that jesus was referring to himself coming from the throne of heaven with great eschatological power to bring judgment and to establish the kingdom and to fulfill all those old testament verses he talked to himself from the beginning son of man this son of man that son of man this son of man will go to his death son of man will be betrayed son of man will be, uh, be crucified to be raised from the dead of three days okay you're talking about yourself that's not going to happen And he says the son of man is going to come in power in great glory it's like i wonder who he's talking about i mean there's no there's there's no doubt jesus is talking about himself coming back from heaven there's really only one interpretation of this verse jesus son of man who is coming to judge the world deliver the chosen and establish god's kingdom the coming clouds of glory is Daniel 7. i got that written there. Chapter 13, verse 27. And then he will send out angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the other. The elect have been mentioned. These are the people that are his chosen. The remnant of Israel is the elect of the Old Testament, but now in the New Testament there are going to be those that are the believers that have accepted him as the Messiah. Uh, there's that phrase, the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. is coming out of Deuteronomy 30, verse 4. Uh, that's a... Again, we can point that out. You can see it in Zechariah 2, verse 10. Mark thirteen twenty eight. Here's a little bit of references. We always start with these verses. Chapter thirteen verse 28. That was the end of Jesus' teaching. Now he captures a parable, and now he's going to tell you two things. That was the end of his teaching about the, his second coming. Now he's got two, two things. There's going to be one, a parable. Is that how you spell parable? And the second is going to be, a, I'll say, a warning. This parable is about 70 A.D. This, this warning is about end times or living for the end times, and this wraps up the chapter. He's done, he's done, in a sense, with his signs, his teaching, what's going to happen in the future as far as necessarily a prophet. Now he's going to teach. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Again, people rush down. Well, the fig tree must be Israel. Okay, go with that. But, and again, I've got it all written down right here. Um, Yet point B, I've said, God is going to gather Israel at the end of the end times, not to rebuild a temple for the Antichrist. So reading Israel for a fig tree may send the reader in the wrong direction. At the end, God is not going to bring Israel back before the end times. He's going to bring Israel back at the end of the 70th week. They are together with who at the beginning of the 70th week? They're at the beginning of the 70th week, and they build a temple or they use a temple because the Antichrist gave it to them. Or they're with the they've signed a peace treaty with the Antichrist. That's not God restoring Israel. So I would question again, history is moving in this direction. But I would God's in control. But what you see happening in Israel right now, I do not think is God gathering Israel. Now he's going to use it. The gathering of Israel is going to take place in the end when he makes... We can talk about that in a greater... There's going to be a great return of Israel in the future. So be careful because what's taking place right now in Israel... I'm pro-Israel. I love Israel. But understand, the next historical thing prophetically that Israel does... Is sign a peace treaty with the Antichrist for seven years. They don't just join with the Western Church and and become Protestants. I, they 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 don't support the Christians. The Jews are interested, in I'm in not blaming them. I'm not against them. I'm I'm, I'm I'm for them. But the next prophetic thing they do is not return to Jesus Christ and and see the the one that was pierced. They return to what they think is their their God, their Messiah, who's manifesting himself in this man, this political leader, which we would identify as the Antichrist. And they sign a treaty with him that at the halfway point, I think the Antichrist doesn't change his mind. He's got full intention, after three and a half years, of breaking this covenant. He's just getting the Jews out of his way so he can do something worldwide as far as setting up his kingdom, mainly persecuting the church for three and a half years. Thus, you've got the great martyr. T- amount of martyrs under the altar in heaven because the Antichrist has been persecuting Christians. And at the halfway point, once he's got the world under control, I tells the Jews, I, I was just keeping you distracted. Pulls him out of the temple, sets his own image up, offers his own sacrifice, and the Jews realize, we've been lied to. Right, just like the prophet Daniel told you, just like Jesus that just like the church been saying. It's like, and I that the church is always, the institutional church is not always right itself. But the scriptures say, but nonetheless, it's hard to imagine... <clears throat> that the fig tree is Israel being brought back together because when they do come back together, they're coming back together with the Antichrist. Uh, and that could be the sign. When they come back with the Antichrist, <laughs> you're in the end. Um, more literally, point D, more likely this is a simple parable that is saying, keep watch. Remember that. These events will let you know what season you are in, just like buds on a tree, lets you know what, that it's almost spring. Also, some of the events mentioned are not the events of end times, but the events of history. We've already talked about that. Okay. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So be watching these events. So also, when you see, watch this, when you see, verse 29, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. When you see these things and the fact that it says these things and they ask what are these things these things are it's happening it's right here your judgment on the temple is near and so the the buds have nothing to do with israel have nothing to do with this is me teaching i may be wrong But in this context, this is talking about 70 A.D. When you see these things, just like when you see the buds, you know summer's coming. When you see these things start happening, you know the temple's coming down. And that's what you asked me about. When will these things happen? When you see these things. Your generation is not going to pass away until you see these things. And now he's wrapping up his teaching. So verse 29, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. I've got two verses written right there uh, at the bottom, Second Peter 3.12, uh, where they're talking about waiting for the coming of the kingdom. The Christians, the first century Christians, they would have known this was coming, but they're also looking for this. Now understand, this gets confusing and, and it gives room for some criticism. They don't know when this is going to happen. They would know this generation's not going to pass away, so they can watch these things develop. But this right here, they don't know. It's that that someday we're going to be reading these letters. Two thousand and twenty-three years later. That's not exactly right because you got to do some math. There, you got thirty A.D. We'll just say about two thousand years later. We're reading these letters, trying to interpret. What do they mean? They they were looking for the return of Christ when at the same time. I mean, they're, they're looking at the, Jerusalem going into war with the Romans. At the same time, they're looking, this would be a great time for Jesus to come back. I mean, Jerusalem's being burnt. Jesus is going to come back. Now Jerusalem isn't smoldering. Church has fled. Now they come back. They rebuild. It's like, it's like now it's 2,000 years later. We still are waiting for this. So it's not surprising you see verses like this in the New Testament, 2 Peter 3.12. He writes, and he's just jumping into it, waiting for and hastening which hastening means to urge on to desire earnestly the coming of the day of god because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will, will melt as they burn so peter's saying we're waiting for the coming of the king of god amazingly first thessalonians four seventeen, and, and everybody knows this but you don't always make a point of it we talk about the church meeting the lord in the air at the rapture now you can you got a pre-trib, you got a mid-trib, you got a post-trib, you know, when, there's going to be a rapture. It's like, when's it going to take place? That's another conversation. I've got opinions and my opinions have changed. Nonetheless, Paul is talking about that rapture here, but guess who he thinks is going to meet the Lord in the air? Him. He doesn't say someday that generation will meet the Lord in the air. He says, then we who are still alive or we who are alive, who are left, and that is who left remain after a disaster. That's what that means, to be left. That's like a train wreck. We who were left after the train wreck. That's that's modern, you know, uh, left. I mean, in other words, that kind of gives me the idea that the church is going to see some persecution in the tribulation. And we who are left, we who were not killed in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, we who are left, okay, i off subject. Nonetheless, Paul says, but we who are left, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together, there's your word rapture, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. But nonetheless, Paul's thinking, he's, that he, he, because he's alive, he's considering himself the rapture generation. Then he lives, he dies, and he's not. And so the next generation, they're the rapture generation. And now here we are, we think we're the rapture generation, which is the right response to Jesus' answer, which was, you don't know. And that's where this goes now. Chapter thirteen, thirty one. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So right there's three things in those two verses that I real very quickly pass away or referred to. This generation will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. In other words, what that is saying is point three Jerusalem will fall by 70 A.D. Heaven and earth will be shaken and be disregarded and considered void and vain sometime. But in the end, Jesus' words will not pass away. So yes, Jerusalem is going to pass away. In fact, this entire universe is going to pass away. But my words will not pass away. So there's your focus. This is going to happen. This is going to happen and pass away. And In the end, what matters is Jesus' words. And so that's where uh, I, I go on with this. The shaking of creation is referred to in Mark 13, 24 through 25, referring to Old Testament verses. We just read that. Um, this chapter has been about Jerusalem being shaken, heaven and earth being shaken, but Jesus continues as the unmovable shaker. He's the one doing the shaking. Chapter 30, verse 32. I'm wrapping this up very fast we we finish this chapter. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. What about these? Now notice what it says. What about that day or that hour? No one knows. Uh, uh, this right here, th- it's pretty simple. The, the, we, no one knows this. The Son of Man doesn't know this. It's not just we're not going to give you the date. It's you can't comprehend it. You, can't under, you don't have the facility to, to figure this out. It would, it would be useless to you. It, you, it, you don't fit here. It's like, it's a mystery. Uh, but concerning that day, see right there, that day or that hour, these things, now that day. So you can, see, you can just see the switch. These things, 70 AD, these things that we're watching, but that day. What you need to do, and I got some things written down there. Here's what you need to do: be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. So the here's his answer right here. I I can't tell you this. That. He said, I can't even. T- I don't even know if you read that literally. Nor the angels are not even the angels. Nor the son of man. He says that that information. There's nothing. It's not like I'm going to keep it from you. I don't know this. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around that. But he says what I can tell you is this, be on your guard, G-U-A-R-D, and keep awake. This is what I can tell you. I can tell you about this. These things will happen in this generation. But as far as here, the best thing I can tell you is you've got to be on your guard and you've got to be awake because you've got a job to do. Not only evangelizing the world, but you've got a job to do is growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, so here's what I wrote right here. Uh, this is very quickly bottom of page five this is the answer to the disciples question the question tell us when will these things be number one and then what will be the sign when all these things see these things the answer to question number one would be the answer here's the right here i'm reading jesus words the answer to question one when will these things be When you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Short answer, 70 AD. Answer to question number two. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Short version, I cannot answer that because even I do not know. And then the next thing. But the two things Jesus does know is be on your guard. Keep awake. Be on your guard. We've seen that word already tonight. Blapete means to look. It used to say look, see, perceive, discern. Be on your guard. Be guarding. Be perceiving what's actually happening. Don't be, don't be confused by the world. And keep awake. Uh, there's the Greek word, meaning to be sleepless, to be wakeful, used to say, I am awake, or I am not sleeping, or I am watchful, or I am careful. Notice the Greek box right there. Jesus in the English translation says, uh, oops, the English, there it is, chapter 13, verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. In the Greek, you've got two words there, a, a okay that's poor two words guard and awake that's, what, that's the answer we do not know but be on your guard be awake and then he tells chapter 13 verse 34 wrapping this up it is like a man going on a journey Jesus would be the man when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge you are the servants or James, John, Matthew, Andrew and Peter you're in charge I'm going away I'll probably find out when I'm coming back, when I go away. But I'm going to leave you in charge. You've got to be on your guard and you've got to be awake. Like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and that's again, each with his work, there's freedom in the church where everybody doesn't have to be a Bible teacher having Bible study in their home. Not everybody has to be doing whatever you're know, whatever you're calling, whatever you feel God is calling you, leading what you've been empowered to do. That's you. Each one with with his work. We've each got a thing assigned to us. Uh, I, what, Ian, it, it doesn't have to be like a you know a big you know banner. You don't have to have your own logo. Each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, in the midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Those are your four basic watches of, of the Roman clock. It's like, Jesus, I didn't tell you the time. It's like, I can't tell you the year, can't you the day. I can't tell you the four different watches of the night or the day. The key to this chapter, oh, wait, and then, lest he come, okay, let me read this again. Therefore, be, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows are in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So this answer right here, he says it twice there at the end. Stay awake. This is is the message of eschatology. If anything, eschatology is a a motivation. There is a kingdom coming. There's disaster coming. There's going to be a time of confusion. Don't be alarmed. What do we need to do? You need to stay awake so you don't get destroyed in the process. That's the message. I mean, that's, that's the message of this chapter. Because it's like, well, why don't you just tell us? Even if he told you the date, the answer's still the same. You need to be awake and alert doing what you're supposed to be. And that, my friends, ends chapter 13. And when we turn to chapter 14, we begin a totally different... It says, chapter 14, Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for a, some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. So they're going to they're going to get rid of Jesus. But they knew they've got to ride this holy week out, get rid of the pass, finish the uh, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and everybody go home have a nice time. We'll see you next year, and then we can start focusing on Jesus. And little do they know they're going to kill him in the middle of the feast because that's when he's that's when he's appointed to die. And they it kind of gives that setting right there that they're so far out of control. They've got a plan but they've got to do their plan in God's timing the way he wants it done. So that way we head into Jesus' uh, suffering here in chapter 14. I'll pray and we're done. If you have any questions or corrections or insights, uh, feel free. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We ask that we uh, may keep our hearts alert, that we may keep our, our minds focused on you, that you would continue to lead and guide us with your word, with your spirit. And we ask, again, that we may be a light at this time in, in history. We do pray for our nation and pray for our churches that we may, again, see revival as people come to the truth in these crucial times as we ourselves cycle through history. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.